So uh, that last reading, those eight verses in Matthew, that is the entirety of the Christmas story as told by the Gospel of Matthew. So when, you, when we get the, the revised common lectionary that tells us which scriptures to use on any given Sunday that we generally follow through, um, and usually you think it goes through a certain gospel, and so we get Matthew. Matthew, i got to say, that's like of the two gospels that tell the story of the incarnation, that's the weakest one. Because it's just those eight verses, all the exciting stuff, the... The, the Zechariah and Elizabeth and the John the Baptist prophecy and the Song of Mary and Gabriel appearing to Mary and the, the angels and the shepherds and the, going to Bethlehem and the stable, all of that's in Luke. All we get here are these eight verses and honestly it's focused on probably the least important character to the story. It's all about Joseph. Great job, Joseph. But looking at that, as I was reading it through this week, there is one, like, one gem in that that really just jumped out at me this week that um, really cuts at the heart of what I want to talk about today and what we've been talking about all month. But I'm not going to tell you what that is just yet. Because we're talking about mystery. See what I did there? Created some, I created some dramatic tension. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. As I continue to contemplate the nature of God and to seek authentic experience with God, while at the same time continuing to read the scriptures. It strikes me that the Bible is a collection of stories written by people who are trying desperately to understand God in much the same way that we are today. And like we talked about before, God is bigger than our language allows does not fit into any of the descriptions that we can think of. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about even just the idea of the name of God, both being this dismissive, I am who I am, you can't put a label on me, this, there are no vowels in this, so good luck pronouncing this, don't pronounce it, on the one hand. On the other hand, if you try to pronounce it, it sounds like breath. It sounds like the thing that gives us life. And so a name that you can't say, you involuntarily say hundreds or thousands of times a day, however often we breathe. It's incredible. It's this, this amazing richness, this idea of infinite knowability. And so when people have genuine, authentic experiences with God and then try to try to convey that somehow to someone else and try to write that down and put it together into a story, you get a lot of what at a cursory reading looks like a very weird story. Right? Some odd stuff. After God creates all of existence, God plants a garden and puts a couple of naked people and a bunch of talking animals in it. And, and that's supposed to tell us something. Um, God promises to make a nation out of a couple, out of, out of an elderly couple, and then makes them wait a quarter century. 
before giving them a child. And then as soon as they get the child, wants them to sacrifice the child. But he was just messing with them. Like, what? It's, there's something there, but it's, it's an odd story. And you, you see this, like, this pattern begins to emerge over time all the way through Scripture, this idea of, of a people longing for and wanting to realize these promises from God. Right, whether it's the Abraham looking for the child or, or even just more generally, this, this, this longing for God's presence among us. You, you see it especially um, when you think about the context of Israel's captivity in Babylon. These are the people, these are the chosen people of God, of the God that created all things. And yet, they're, they're living as captives under a foreign rule. And they're suffering. And they're trying to be faithful. And so they try, and you can see it in the stories that they tell, wrestling with this, this disconnect between what they have been taught all their lives about who God is and what their actual experience of their own lives are. And you can see it come out in a couple of different ways. Like some of the earlier stories are... Um, are, are easier to wrap your head around almost. It's like, okay, well, God was here. God has some rules. And when we follow the rules, we're blessed and we're prosperous. And that's, that's you know, like the stories of King Solomon and King David. Those were great times. And then when we, when we broke the rules, then we're being punished. And that's what happened. We broke the rules. So we're being punished by captivity and by enslavement. And you see those stories and those, those reasons given. But then as the generations pass and the captivity stays the same, the stories change. Because again, these people are wrestling, trying to reconcile the difference. It's like, well, we've, we've tried to be faithful. My, 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 my parents spent their entire lives trying to be faithful. Now they're dead. Now I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to teach my kids how to be faithful. And we're still suffering. And so you begin to see more and new ways of engaging the story and trying to, trying to explain Trying to make sense out of this thing. Maybe there's a cosmic battle going on between good and evil. And it's being fought right now and we can't see it. But it's happening. And God's going to win, but there's just stuff going on that we're not able to see yet. Okay? It's in this time that you start to see what we call the prophecies, the messianic prophecies. This idea that, yeah, God is out there and he has been here and he's going to come back. And he's going to raise up a leader from among his people. And we're going to get back to the days of glory. And you see these stories over and over again. And what they all have in common is this longing for God to come. Because the situation as it is right now doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. And the missing piece is God. Where is God? When is he going to come? And guys, that story continues all the way through scripture until today. In fact, that probably might sound familiar to a lot of you. It's like, hmm trying to reconcile what I've been taught about God all my life with the experience of, that I'm living right now. When I look around the world and see things going on, when I look at my own life, when I, everything happening right here, how do I, how do I reconcile that? Because it, it doesn't quite fit up. And that's, that's kind of the, that, that, that's a big part of the whole Advent story, right? 
this this idea that we are we are preparing ourselves and waiting in eager anticipation for God to come. You see it all the way through the Old Testament. You see it all the way through the New Testament. You know, you know how, how the Bible ends, right? With, with Jesus going, surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. That's how it ends. It's, how, you know, it's, it's all the way through. So here, as we are right now in our, in our season of Advent, and also right now in our lives as they are, when I talk about waiting and anticipating God coming, the coming of God back into our world, like, what does that mean to you? What, what are you looking for when, when God comes? What, 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 what needs to change or to happen? Or what, what, what are you anticipating? What Terry was saying reminds me of uh, what Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. of childhood behind you. Yeah. Uh, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. But now now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Mm. Just this idea of like, God face to face. Like that's the, that's the big thing in the Hebrew Bible that you just can't do yeah. without getting your face melted off. <laughs> but like to be able to have that level of knowledge and intimacy in the presence of God, if, um, I don't know how long, how long for that. Yeah. I hope for that. Letter. He's breathing that way. Because one of the common things that I heard, and pretty much everything everybody said, is there is some level of metaphor in the word that everybody used today um, to describe what that is going to be. Because we're there's like there's there's still some fuzziness around. Yeah, this and this and then something that's going to make everything perfect. And then you know, and it's like. What is that? So, this this story of longing for God is a very human story. It's a very biblical story, and it's it's definitely it's it's something I think we all have in common. We have in common with everybody. There's, there's something there's more in the scriptures there's there's something else in the story 
that breaks through at different points. And once you see it, it is this really profound and deep truth that has the power to change everything for you. I guess I'll tell you what it is. <clears throat> In a sort of... Were you waiting for us to like be like, Ted, what is this? <laughs> yeah. In, in a sort of M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist, <laughs> the very presence of God that we are all constantly longing for and have been looking for the entire time, that longing is all the way through Scripture, God has been here the whole time. <laughs> He's been here the whole time, and you, all you have to do is go back and look for him, and you see it. Yes, he was in the garden, and, and Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, but he kept talking to Adam and Eve on the outside. He continued to interact with humanity. And you see that interaction happening all the way through. The, the chosen people that seemed to wander aimlessly in the desert were not wandering aimlessly. They were being led by the very presence of God that they saw as a cloud or as fire. They even built a tent for God to come rest at with them. Abraham was in constant communication with God through all of this. Moses like, spoke to God face to face as someone does like a friend. Samuel, David, Elijah, all of the prophets, you see the presence of God all the way through Scripture. Active, listening, responding, encouraging, challenging. It's been there the whole time. And yet, we're still waiting for something. I think a big part of this Again, I hesitate to try to explain anything, but I think a big part of this is that we can't fully comprehend God. And I want to be careful with this because I know a lot of times it, is, it has almost become a platitude for some people to say, oh, well, God's ways are bigger than your ways and you can't see the same things that God sees. And as if, and the, maybe this isn't the mental picture that you have, but when, when I've been told those things in the past or even have told other people that in the past, I imagine like this all-powerful being carefully orchestrating all of the events in the universe with this master plan that has been prepared from before time, doing everything deliberately for a purpose. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm sorry that this person died, but you know, we don't know what the plan is. And so it probably had to happen for all these other stuff to happen. That, that image of God right there, like I, like I had said at the beginning, like our concept, our language is not able to describe God, our word and concept of a God is not adequate to describe God. Whatever mental image or construct that you have that says this is what a God is, I mean, that's probably helpful for getting part of the way there, but God doesn't fit in that box either. So when we say that God is beyond us, it's not that, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not something that we can just simply explain. It's just like, 
there is this unknown, this mystery here. But again, if we look in Scripture, we can see this actually spelled out for us. Um, John says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's the story right there. That's, that is our existence. If I back up a little bit in, in, in the Gospel of John, and I, I, I fudged a little bit earlier with some intentional misdirection. There are three Gospels that tell the story of the Incarnation. Matthew and Luke tell the story of the birth of Jesus. But John, the first, in the first chapter of John, is all about God coming into the world as Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then Sarah read this earlier today in Colossians chapter 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Think about that for a second if you can. That God, that Christ was there at creation, was part of creation, creation happened through him, that God poured himself into creation, that Christ is before all things, but also holds all things together. Now, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of that, but I, I get the sense that 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 means that God, from the very beginning, poured himself into his creation. And that from the very beginning, everywhere that you look, everything that has life has God. And that, I mean, in the, in the Genesis story, it's, it's even spelled out with this beautiful picture of God forming the man out of the dust and then breathing his spirit into him. Like, this idea that, that God is here and present with us everywhere. If we could just open our eyes and see and recognize. And so we hold two things in tension this morning. On the one hand, the, this idea of anticipation. The anticipation that we read about waiting for the Messiah to come, waiting for Jesus to come, waiting for Jesus to come again, that's, that's a real thing. And at the same time, this, really, this truth, this reality, that God is here with us, in us, around us, through us. And I believe that it is in this tension, the mystery of that, that we can begin to find more ways to see and experience God. How do you respond to that tension this morning? John? Sitting there, the, 
they deal with it with a phrase how invincible it was already and not yet. So the not yet was attention to what's, what's, what's to come. Mm-hmm. It already is. It's already here. So God is with us. And after the end, our end or the end, we will be with him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can pray in Jesus' name. I call upon the name of the Father uh, anytime, anywhere. And he's right there. And he's there when I'm not called upon him. And he's there when people don't believe. Does make a difference? He's in, there's no way David said, I can't go so high or low or here or there that you're not there, so I can't run away. It's like, mm-hmm. there's, there's not a where God is. There's not, there's, there's not an omnipresent free zone. You, you, you know what they're, in the airport, we call it the, the uh, you know, tax and tax free thing. Oh, yeah. Duty free shop. Duty free shop. Well, there's no place you can go where there's not God. Mm-hmm. In a prison, in a brothel, in a, there's not a where. Mm-hmm. Well, God's not. Yet we don't know Him fully because of all the other world questions out. Yeah. Thanks, John. It's also about awareness. It's kind of like I've seen here, you talk about light and about, you mentioned light several times. We're seeing here in light. When we're not thinking about we're seeing in light. When we turn the lights off, we go, where's the light? We're in light. If you tune in, there's everything you can barely hear it glowing. But you've got to hush up and not listen to your mind or somebody else to hear the AC. It's not that the AC is not glowing, the lights are not on. Is that we're not tuned into what's here. Mm-hmm. I think the way I'm <laughs> wrestling with this tension this morning is, for whatever reason, it came to mind that a, a Dallas Morning News article I read this week uh, uh, reported that there have been 200 murders in Dallas this year, which is just like astronomically high. Yeah, the hope is that God, there will be a day when, when the 
all the guns get melted down and turned into something else and people don't get people don't get killed and ended like that. very open-ended is just how do you respond to that tension of finding God here and waiting for him? I think um, <clears throat> one of the things that like really concerned me and that I think the past couple of years has just been trying to come to grips with um, what do I look I will look at what real reconciliation 
as much, <laughs> right? Whatever is core to my human identity um, in that situation. And that's hard. Mm-hmm.
those emotions as he was dying and felt the same sense of loss that I felt. And I don't know what I, I don't, I don't know, I want to say, oh, I found comfort in that, or I found hope in that, or I can say, I don't know what I found in that, but it's meaningful somehow. And all this to say is, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't get God, but God gets me. Amen. He gets us. And He loves us. And so here, in December, the darkest time of the year, and literally last night was the longest night of the entire year, and you're going to go outside and all the plants and everything's going to be dormant, there's not going to be lots of life out there, here is when we celebrate this time, this reminder that God, God came into our world to live our life, to share our experience out of love. He came, he's been here the whole time, and somehow he's also going to come again. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, I don't get you, but I'm learning to love you. And I think I know that you love me and all of us. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to know you more fully. As long as that takes, put us on that path to see you and to feel you and to know you and to share you. Thank you for this time, especially now, when things are at their darkest, to look for the light shines that the darkness cannot overcome. Let us see that light. Let us live in that light. Thank you for being here with us always. Lord, please come quickly. Mission Prayers is the time where we share stories and pray about our participation in God's mission as missional communities and disciples of Jesus. We do this by thinking about breakthroughs and battles. What's a breakthrough we've experienced this week in God's mission that we need to share? What's a battle we've experienced this week that we need to share? It could be something directly connected to missional communities. It could be something personal. Um, we take a couple, one or two minutes to come up to the microphone and share, and then um, those of us that are listening, be listening, and then we'll find someone to pray for them. The mic is open. place for me up until now. I get to go and work and then 
leave and really not have to interact. And um, I think what I'm, uh, I've started to see over the last month, maybe two, um, is uh, God drawing people to me um, and me sharing stories of grief and of uh, woe and just the way that I interact with God, right? Not necessarily um, the American success story, but um, really just a story of struggle. Um, but it's, it also makes it hard because that was a place of refuge for me, right? It was a place for me to go and be mindless, <laughs> you know. Um, but I've, I, I, I need the patience. Um, I need the strength from God um, to be able to engage with people um, who want to find commonality. Um, they want to share their story. And there are times where I just don't want to listen anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I'm looking for a break. Um, and so the, it is both a celebration because I am moved by God's ability to, to bring us together and find hope in one another, even when the story's not great, right? That there's always this hope in us. I love that about what our, our God does. But I, I am also mistrustful of, of his ability to move through me, right? Um, in, my, in my worst of moments, I am. Uh, so um, I think that's where I find myself, is this weird intersection of um, having used work as a break and then finding that that break is kind of over. Thanks for sharing, Doug. Laura, I looked up my brother, Duncan, and I appreciate his heart and, uh, his care and concern for the people around him in a way that uh, he's a magnet for other people who want to share their stories uh, whether he wants to hear them or not um, thank you for uh, what you put in him uh, that makes that happen and God in this season where he's coming out of the break of, of uh, unplugging and doing mindless work and seeing opportunity to be present with people in his job, even in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, God, would you give him grace and strength in your Holy Spirit to to see what you're up to and to have the courage to join you there? Would you give him grace uh, to um, uh, not to be uh, hard on himself uh, in moments where he stumbles and falls or has regrets? Uh, but to meet you even in those places as well. Uh, would you work through Duncan for your glory, but also would you give uh, Duncan the 
great joy of finding you right here in this workplace, finding you and others. Um, reveal yourself to Duncan through his co-workers. In Christ, I pray. because he's like, why are you getting up there? You never get up and talk. Um, but I feel compelled to. Um, so I have a friend, and she lives on the street, and the neighbors are all very close. I think it's partly the way that street is designed, um, and our street is not designed that way, but they're just in and out of each other's houses all the time, um, borrowing th- things from each other, doing stuff with each other all the time. Um, and I just don't, I find myself wanting that. Um, and I don't think I want people to come over unannounced. I want them to call. Um, but a little bit more of that. And, you know, when Ted and I first started coming to Storyline and we had, like, moved into our neighborhood, we were really intentional and we met all our neighbors. And, and then as the years went on, everybody on our street moved. And there's nobody the same. And we, we know some of our neighbors now, but not like we did. Um, back then and then something happened I wasn't even there I was actually at that house that uh, I want to be more they're all the neighbors they're all neighborly with each other um, but Ted was at home and he was in the front yard putting out Christmas lights and um, there was somebody that came over and she needed help with her car her, her tire was flat and um, I think I think it was her fiance said, go ask somebody, you know, just go ask one of your neighbors. And she hasn't been there for very long. She's been there for three months. And I think Ted may have been the only person out on the block. And he was able to help her. And then it turns out her spare tire was flat. And then he had to do something else. And he had to jump her car. And then we had some trouble later because we forgot to tell Henry, who was inside, that he was across the street. And so Henry ran away. And so, but anyway. But <laughs> he came back. It was fine. Um, he's alive. He's here. Um, but anyways, just, I don't know, just, I want us to be neighbors. I want to have close relationships with our neighbors, and I haven't felt that way in a long time. I kind of have just been wanting to hole up, and just, a lot of it has to do with just experiences we've had, like the migraine situation that I've had, where I'm like, I don't want to see anybody right now. Um, but I feel like as I'm starting to come out of that, I, I don't know. I had the thought, like, I kind of want to make cookies for people, like, in the neighborhood. Not because I feel like I should, because that's usually what I feel, like, oh, I should be doing this. And I have eliminated, I'm trying to eliminate that word from my vocabulary. And I was like, I think I actually want to make cookies. Maybe it's because I can't eat the cookies that I'm willing to, like, give them out to people. But... I, I don't know, I find myself just wanting to do that more and do that more in our neighborhood. 